Welcome to More Than Movies. I'm Ivana. And I'm Jay. Today we discover the letter U and get into celeb couples. We also dive headfirst into Netflix's new series, Warrior Nun. It's time for Categorized. Ivana, we are still in our alphabet, Categorized. But I'm so excited because we are at U, which means U, V, W, X, Y, Z. We are almost through the entire alphabet. But today we're talking about U movies. I cannot believe that we're already at U movies. It it felt like it took forever to get to like the middle letters. And then since the middle letters, I feel like it's gone by so fast. I mean, that's by choice. We're definitely peppering in more categorized throughout our podcast now like way more than ever it's good though i like it but i'm a little like scared and sad that it's kind of, like i see the finish line I, I want it to last longer but uh we will figure out a way to keep categorized going why don't you throw a you movie at me that you think will be on my list oh that i think will be on your list yeah up in the air Up in the air is on my list. Absolutely. It's also on my list. We did tea last time. That's correct. And thank you for smoking was on your list. It was. And now up in the air is on your list, which is another Jason Reitman film. You know what? Up in the air is such a beautiful movie. For anyone who hasn't seen it, it's about a man who makes a living firing people. And and the big thing is like this nomad lifestyle that he has filled with airplane rides and lounges and treasts while on the road and and then all of a sudden now they're starting to fire people via video calls and what is that going to mean for his whole lifestyle i really like that lifestyle I, I i have a secret fantasy and it is just a fantasy picking up with not a lot of things and just coasting and like just going through life It's a weird fantasy of how far could I get of just, just living, not homelessness, just like living. It's an interesting thing because to me, it's like a life I would never want. Right. Like vagabond, like still comfortable, um, still corporate, but like this weird lifestyle. It's, it's so interesting to watch. And I think that's why I like that movie, because it's like glimpsing into another world that I don't really see or understand. Yeah, You understand it. For some reason, I fantasize about the day that I just leave my house and just travel by feet and get on a bus and then get on a train, then get on a plane and just like see what happens. That's really funny. Would you do it like this as part of a corporate job? Um, I don't know because his job sucks. Like, I know he really thinks that he's changing people's lives, but his job sucks. Oh my gosh. It would be so hard to just fire people for a living. Also, it's got this great unique uh, take on all these people he's left and all these, these people he's fired have this transition in their life that they couldn't get through without the people in their life right and he has no one no one and he likes to be alone i think that's part of it that's that's the sad part i don't know if it's lonely for him well it is and it isn't right like he's got that goal of all the aeroplan miles that he can he can get in his life yeah and at the end you find out he's like succeeded his goal but no one's there to share it with him That's the point, right? Like he really enjoyed being alone until it was too late. Yes. That's the risk, right? Of that loner lifestyle. That's the risk is you wake up one day and you go, shit, now I'm ready, but no one else is here with me. And we should say that if you haven't seen this film, it stars George Clooney and uh, a very fresh faced Anna Kendrick before Pitch Perfect. But after Twilight. But after Twilight, yep. Uh, and Vera Farmiga, who's just amazing. She is so awesome in it and so unbelievably beautiful in this oh, film. Totally, totally. 
And uh, who's his boss? His boss is somebody. Who's the horrible boss's guy who's also arrested? Jason Bateman is his boss. Right. Well, we both have up in the air on our list. Do you have another one on your list that you think might be on mine? Oh, I like doing it this way. This is a fun way. Yeah, this is fun. Um, I think you. I think this is going to be on your list. All right. Maybe. This is a bit of a, I'm not 100% sure. The gamble. Okay, it's a gamble. The usual suspects. Usual suspects is not on my list, but why is it on yours? A lot of you movies were either ones where I didn't really remember them that much, or I didn't really like them that much. And this is one of those ones that I don't remember that much, but I remember really liking. This is a really big film in the zeitgeist of film as well. When you hear Kaiser so say, this is a a big character in a certain generation's film buffdom. Yeah, and I feel like it was one of the big twists in film history, similar to the big twist in The Sixth Sense or, or things like that. This is one of those pivotal twists. I remember liking the movie, and that's kind of why it's on my list. I don't really remember it in particular any which way. <laughs> Okay, so it's probably not going to be your your number one no. at the end of categorized. No. Uh, okay. <laughs> no problem. We don't have to go into more about it, but I'm going to name one that I think is on your list Okay. that is on my list, and I think Us made the cut. Oh, 110% Us is on my list. Us is on my list for sure. I, I think... I think Get Out was amazing. Like, I I think Get Out is better, but I cannot, I I can't think of, like, another film even close to us. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think Get Out is also better, and that's mostly because even though I think about us more. I do think about us more as well. Yeah, but I watch Get Out more. Like I've seen Get Out six times, I think now, which is like insane, Jay. I do For not you, rewatch movies. Crazy. I know. It's- I've seen us more than Get Out only because us is, you're really taking in a lot with us. Not that you're not taking in a lot with Get, Get Out. But I've watched Get Out three times, and I'm like, I get it. I, I I have it. Us, I get a little bit more of what Jordan Peele is trying to say about America every time I watch it. Yeah, that's the, that's the thing about us is like every shot, every image, every little facet of the story that you see from beginning all the way to the end has a double, sometimes even a triple meaning. And there's what it's going to say about the film you're watching, what's about to happen in the film you're watching, and then also what does it represent when you think about America. And I think even just the name, like us, U.S., like I just, like there's so many things in this movie. It's uh, like almost, I also, I almost don't even understand how he put so much in it. But let's let's also back up because we're talking about a Jordan Peele movie. So even if you're watching it for surface value, you are having a great time. It's such a fun movie. I'm just going to say this. Jordan Peele is the William Shakespeare of our time. Wow. Um, if if and and Hitchcock, like both together, you know, like the directing like prowess, like he's like. Maybe the best director, I think, right now. I'm just going to say that. And then on top of it, he writes, like, these universal stories that are going to be as timeless as William Shakespeare. And I think if William Shakespeare was alive right now, he would be, like, an, a writer-director of film. Clearly. Like, he would 100% be that man. Totally. And, and I think Jordan Peele is that man. I think he's a fucking brilliant genius who deserves every award of all time especially for a movie like us i don't understand why people don't just bow down to his feet he's better than aronofsky and you know how much i love oh my god what a thing for you to say i'm sorry i just like aronofsky's brilliant but he's no like jordan peele jordan peele as far as i'm concerned like i don't know i could worship him you just called him shakespeare yeah i did (laughs) all right so that's three movies 
and three that are on your list. So I go again, right? You go again, yeah. I'm going to see if I don't think there's another movie on my list that is on yours. So I'm going to take a stab with Uncle Buck. It was on my short list, but I honestly do not remember. Ever, I don't even remember a second of this movie. I think Uncle Buck is John Candy's like greatest character. I'm, I'm not saying it's like his best film or the one that I watch the most, but but Buck is awesome, and there's and he's complicated. He is uh, estranged from this family because people. You know, they don't think of him as a part of the family because they're embarrassed by him. Right. But he puts so much love into the kids while he's taking care of them. Does he come at it begrudgingly or is he really genuinely excited to look after the kids? He is genuinely excited to help his brother out. Oh, like, that's so the sweet. The second he gets the call, he's like, oh my gosh, absolutely. I'd love to have the kids. I haven't seen them in like literally years. And he's just, yeah, bring them over. We'll have some sleepovers. And it's like, we may be gone for a while, so you have to come to the house. And he's like, oh, sure, no problem. Like, okay, and you're, where do you live again? <laughs> like, it's, it's, but he's very genuine in this role. And the, one of the best scenes of John Candy's entire career is him talking to the vice pres, principal about the school career of the six-year-old niece. And he flips her. <laughs> He flips her a quarter and says, why don't you take this quarter, go downtown and have a rat gnaw that thing off your face because she's got a giant <laughs> warp. And, and and like he's so she's so mean about a six year old. <laughs> so he is just every ounce mean back. And it's just great. Like, honestly, I think you can watch it again. Love Buck and also appreciate this as. One of John Hughes' better films. Huh. Well, it it does sound like a great story. You're kind of making me want to watch it. All right. Uh, okay, I don't think this is on your list. Because okay. I don't think that it's ultimately that good of a movie. But it's on my okay. list still because, you know, I don't have that many you movies that I'm, like, excited about. Uh, and that is The Untouchables. You know what? The Untouchables is a great Brian De Palma film. I, I'm totally on board for it being on yours. It, it would have made my short list. You know, I think it's a pretty decent film. I watched it a few years ago for the first time. And I mean, it's beautiful, perfectly like the shots that Brian De Palma kind of composes in his head and then are, are just really, really well done. And it's a great movie, but it's not like, I don't know. It's not us. No, no, it's no. Just, no. It's, it's good. It's the untouchables. It's old. You can skip it or watch it. I don't think it matters. It didn't change film. Robert De Niro as Al Capone, Al Capone is like so much fun to watch. That was my favorite thing in the movie was Robert De Niro. Because Robert De Niro is a, like one of the greatest actors of all time. It's also got an outstanding score. And uh, you get a, a glimpse into that like prohibition lifestyle back in, I think it's the 20s. And it's a real life story. I, I, I'm down with that being on your list. That's actually really great. Uh, what's your last? All one? right. Not based on a true. Of, I have two more. I still have two. I still two have two more. Oh, shit. Uh, okay. So I'm going to go with uh, best picture winner. It's a Clint Eastwood film. And I don't I, I don't think you're a Western girl. I am um, not. I, but I love Unforgiven. I think it is like one of the best Westerns ever. And it's literally perfect for Clint Eastwood. He's at the end of this cowboy life and he does Unforgiven, which is literally about a man at the end of his cowboy life. He's hung up his spurs and somebody comes to ask him for help and he begrudgingly needs the money. So he goes to help these, these prostitutes who are under the like heel of this awful Gene Hackman character. Oh, he is a good bad guy. He's a great bad guy. Mm -hmm. and, he, and he's doing it for the money. And then he ropes Morgan Freeman into it. And it's just like a great buddy movie up until the end when the action actually happens because not a lot happens in the film, 
other than like telling the story of his life being this infamous gunslinger until they get to this town where he's supposed to do some gunslinging. It's kind of a quiet film. So it's like, oh, this is sort of Clint Eastwood's like goodbye to the Western. And it totally works. And it suckered me in really, really well. Yeah. Okay, what's your, ne- what's your next one? So hold on a second. How do you not have five? I have five. Up? You have Up in the Air, Us, Usual Suspects. Oh, I never said my first one. Okay, I'll go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> up. Up is my first one. My- oh, of course, Up. Yeah. Uh, the first, the beginning of that movie is so good that it makes up for all the rest of the, it. And the rest and of it, it has to. It has to. The rest of it is very fun. It's a different movie. It's not nearly as good of a movie as the first bit, but it's still a good movie. Very easy to watch. I could see it being so fun for children. Um, but that beginning part, oh my God. I, I once tried to explain it to people in their house having drinks, and then I got all swept up emotionally from explaining about what <laughs> is the first 10 minutes of Up about that then I started crying. It was so embarrassing. I was so embarrassed. Oh, my God. <laughs> Honestly, look, I, I and I owe, I, I, I don't, I'm never going to apologize for it not being my favorite Pixar film like it is yours, but... That opening is maybe the best Pixar has done in all of Pixar. I agree. The problem I have with the rest of the film is that nothing holds up to the first 10 minutes of that movie. And I don't really like the rest of the film. I just really like their story. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I guess I just think the beginning is enough. And I didn't dislike the rest of it. It's just a different, less important movie. And that's why, like, Wally is my favorite because the beginning is this beautiful silent film. Yeah, it and is. And then it turns into an adventure. And then at the end, I ball my eyes out oh, when hate- he says Eva at the end. And I'm like, oh my God, the robots I- are in love. I just hate how much Pixar can make me cry. It's awful. (laughs) (laughs) All right. My last one on my list is I don't think you've seen it. I don't think a lot of people have seen it, and I think they should. It is not going to be my number one on this list, but it is amazing for what it is. And that movie is Undercover Brother. And this film came out in like early 2000. It is kind of black exploitation, but way, way ahead of its time. There are so many jokes that you could cringe at, but also go, but it's true. That's true. And it's, oh my God. I don't even know like how to explain it. It's about a guy who is joining the brotherhood to fight the man. And the villain from the man on the white side is Chris Kattan in arguably his best role as a white guy who is completely captivated with black culture culture. But while he's at the office as the man, he cannot let that on. I mean, it is bonkers silly. It is at times like hard to watch, but it's still so much ahead of its game. Uh, ahead of its time, I should say, that I, I can't look away. Like, Neil Patrick Harris is an affirmative action hire at the Brotherhood. And <laughs> he says a lot of shit he shouldn't say, but in the context, it is fantastic. And I I gotta say, like, it's on Netflix right now. If you haven't seen it and you're looking for a comedy... Try Undercover Brother. It's ridiculously silly, but it's also amazingly smart. Have you seen it recently? Yeah, I watched it like two weeks ago. Ah, interesting. I owned it on DVD when it came out. I lost that DVD, and then it was never on digital, and then it popped up on Netflix, and I've watched it twice since. Twice? Jeez. Honestly, it's so easy to put on. It's so... 
Oh my God. It's so ahead of its time. I, I keep saying that because it is. All right, Jay. We've set our five films. It's time to choose. What is your number one film that starts with the letter U? I'm going to go with Up in the Air. I'm going to go with Us. And I don't okay. even need to quabble. That's like a resounding lead. Nothing else wow. touches it even close. I'm shocked that it didn't, uh, you didn't waver at all. Not or were even you a thinking bit. Maybe, maybe Up in the Air and I just went ahead and like took it so it's perfect? Um, it would have been between those two, but honestly, no, it's us. Us is way more than up in the air. Well, I got to say it was between up in the air and, uh, unforgiven for me. Okay. And it was actually a little bit, it was hard. It was hard to choose, but for once in your life, you actually waffled a little. I struggled, but I, I just think up in the air is, uh, I just think it's It's a great movie. It's a great movie. (laughs) So, and I think our conversation changed it, but obviously you were always going with us because it's Shakespeare. Yep. So we're both experiencing uh, quite a heat wave right now in the, in the middle of July. Yep. Yep. I got my lone fan, Fanny, just, uh, just <laughs> you beside named your me. Fan. Yeah. Fanny, the fan, just keeping me, keeping me from like total full on sweating. Because my office is in the den, and this den, I, as you can see, you can see in my webcam, I don't have anywhere to like put a portable air conditioner. Right. Not really anywhere. Right here to my right is like a dishwasher, and over here is my dresser. So it's like really, there's just nowhere to put anything because this room is awful. But I am, uh, I am, I, I can't go outside. It's hard. Why do you still have that dishwasher? Oh, it's a great question. Uh, it is broken and Becky wants to fix it before she sells it. Ah, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. But but she broke a wheel on it. So we're just waiting until, you know, I don't know. I don't know when that's going to happen. So right now it's like covered with a uh, a blanket. And you use it like a table probably. Where uh, yeah, it's like a, it's, yeah. it's a night table. It is where Fanny sits and helps me assist me. With my keeping in the sweat. How are you dealing with it? Because you love the heat. I love the heat. So, I mean, you know, like I am not finding it as easy to like work out in the heat. But other than that, I'm loving it. Like I'm very comfortable. I'm always warm. It's not so bad. Welcome back to Canada, by the way. Yeah, we're back in Canada, which is kind of crazy. You're also by a lake. Yes, but that it's still super hot. We're self-isolating, so... Do you not go in the lake to get cool? Um, I mean, sometimes I'm not a huge lake person. Really? So like you are not, you'd rather just float on top on like a, like a big floaty? Yeah. I mean, if I'm going to float, then I'll swim a little bit too, for sure. Honestly, I'm just not that like, I don't know. I just. Not an outdoorsy person. (laughs) I know, but you're at the lake. I mean, like jumping in the water at the lake is always like the easiest way to cool off really quickly because it's, you know, not a temperature you can regulate. Lakes are cold. The water is is cold and I don't really like the cold water. So I don't know. All right. Well, that's comfortable in the heat. That's fair. I mean, there's also lots of shade, I'm assuming, where you are with uh, with a lot of like big trees. To be honest, we I've been mostly working. So just in do- indoors a lot and like working on things. I have not been outside very much. Well, our other two rooms. So our our bedroom right now is at 60 degrees. So that's a beautiful room to go into. Honestly, and- 60 degrees. First of all, the fact that you even go by Fahrenheit, I don't I don't understand. You're a Canadian. It's like I don't understand how you don't go by Fahrenheit indoors because I I grew up in Canada where we use the metric system. Where is this like imperial system that America uses coming from? Because it's on all of the thermostats growing up. Growing up, all of our thermostats were always in Fahrenheit. And no one knew like exactly how to change them. So indoor temperature for me has always been Fahrenheit and outdoor has always been Celsius. I could not tell you 
in Celsius what the room temperature is. But what's funny is like outdoor and indoor temperature is still the same temperature. So whatever you like totally. outside, move it on inside and, and you're good. 60 degrees is like is like 10 degrees Celsius, which is... Sounds about right, yeah. Completely an uncomfortable cold temperature <laughs> that I don't even understand how it's legal to like go that that we we go to 60 in the bedroom it's probably like 70 which i guess is around 17 15 17 degrees i think yeah 70 is around 18 19 i think yeah so that's that's what it is in the living room and kitchen in the like as soon as i leave this room that i'm in now i get hit with like a beautiful like i'm going into air conditioning but i i you should because have that door so open humidity. as much as you possibly can. I mean, obviously I you can't will. while we're recording, yeah. but like, yeah. you know. Here's the thing. The, normally, when we don't have the level of humidity that we're at right now, I open the window at night and it lets in a little bit of cool air mm-hmm. to cool down this room. And then in the morning, shut up the windows, shutter the blinds, and I'm good. But the humidity has just crushed this room ever being like a normal temperature. I'm pretty sure it's 30 degrees in this room. Yeah. 30 is a little hot for indoors. Yeah. Oh yeah. Which would be like 79. Yeah, definitely. I think even like 83, 84. Okay. So it might be in like high 20 cent. Yeah. But yeah, I've always gone Fahrenheit inside and uh, Celsius outside because of the thermostats. That's so funny. That is so funny. (laughs) (laughs) These are some quarantine games. Today we made up a love theme game for all of us to play along to. That's right. This is a trivia kind of game that I'm tenderly calling the achy breaky heart. Um, I love it. And basically, Jay, you and I list a celebrity couple and the other one has to guess if they're together or if they've broken up. No second chances. So, like, okay, you guess, that's, that's it. It's done. Because it's true or false, right? Yes, that's right. Interestingly enough, I don't know if I've chosen the ones that you've chosen. Yeah, that's true. We could be giving each other the same question. Yeah. So, I think if we get to a question that is the same, we'll just, like, say, I have that too. Or samesies. Yeah, and samesies. We'll strike it. And it's and then gone. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a gone. So there's it's like not an, on there. an element to this game on winning. Let's say, and everyone, we're just making this up literally as we're speaking to each other right now. Yeah. I think there's an element into the game where it's not just how many correct guesses did you have, but also how many questions did you get to ask that were different like from your this. partners? It's a strategy. Yeah, exactly. So, okay. So why don't you go first? And if, if we get to one of mine, I'll say same. Okay. Done. Done. And then that way we'll know for sure, like which were eliminated from both of ours. Or should like we questions can be eliminated from both. From both. So, or, or do we go one and then one? Mm. So we're always in suspense. How many are remaining and how many will become samesies? All right, let's go one and one because I need all the help I can get. (laughs) Okay. My first couple for you is Evan Peters and Emma Roberts. You can ask like other things they've been in. Um, Broken up. Yeah, you're right. They are broken up. Booyah. I got one, and it wasn't on my list. Okay, you go. Tim Robbins and Susan Sarandon. Ugh, they broke my heart, but I believe they're broken up. They are divorced. That is true. Okay, we are one and one. All right. Next one. Kara Delevingne and Ashley Benson. Okay, you got to give me a little more info. I don't actually know the names. What? Okay, Kara Delevingne is um, a model turned actor. She is in a lot of things that you've seen, I feel like. In particular, you would know her from the movie Paper Towns, Suicide Squad. Oh, yeah, okay. All right, I got her. And then who's the other one? Her Smell. 
Uh, and actually the other one, Ashley Benson, is also in Her Smell. They both played um, yeah, okay. like bandmates. I think they're together. Unfortunately, they just broke up. Like just <sighs> broke up. Okay, so that is, uh, we both have one point at this standings. That's correct. Okay, but you have one more question that you could, you could topple me with one more question. Well, we don't know. We don't know. There's still All right, a lot let's see know. here. All right, Danny DeVito and Rhea Perlman. <gasps> oh, I, I feel like they're still together. They're a great couple. They are separated. No. The divorce has not happened, but they are separated. When did they break up? Two years ago, I think. Uh, they separated two years ago. Rhea Ooh. Perlman just said, even though we're separated, I'm never letting him have a divorce. <laughs> so okay so we are tied at one apiece one apiece okay go ahead uh olivia wilde and jason sudeikis still together i believe they have a child yes i believe they have a child and they are still together yes at least as as recently as february this year all right sasha baron cohen and isla fisher still together you got it they are going two and strong two. All right, Matthew Perry and Lizzie Kaplan. I didn't even know they were dating. No way, no way, no way. I No, they're, no, they're not together. You're right. They broke up, but they were together. I can't believe they were ever together. That is shocking to me. Okay, so I have three. You have two. Here, I got to try some in here. Okay, let's go with Ben Affleck and Ana de Amares. Ar Armas. Anna de Anna Armas. De Armas. Uh, they're still together, like very happily so. Yeah, they are. They are. They're a newer couple, so I thought I might be able to stump you, but uh, nope. curses. Nope. Okay, la last one. Dylan McDermott and Maggie Q. They are not together, but they did the Stalker series together. Yeah, you're totally right. They broke up. Yeah. But they, they, and, and they're no longer together. Okay. So I have four and how many do you have? I have no idea. I didn't keep count. You are what? No, you're <laughs> one behind. You're one behind because of that Danny DeVito. Yes. You're right. You're right. You're right. So you have, I have four. four. You have three. Here we go. For the game, Freddie Prince Jr. And Sarah Michelle Geller. They are so still together. Ah, oh, they really are. They really, really are. <laughs> and that means... We We're tied. tied. We tied. And we didn't lose any points for having the same question. We just tied. Yep. Hey, I love it. Ties are great. That is disappointing. All right. Heads or tails? Tails. Okay, Google, flip a coin. It's tails. Son of a bitch. Yes, I win. It's tails. I win. That didn't count. Best two out of three. No way. We never established <laughs> that at the beginning of the coin toss. <laughs> This is Top Drawer TV. Last week, we invited you to watch the pilot episode of Netflix's new series, Warrior Nun, at which time Ivana proclaimed from the heavens that it would be the next Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It still could be. We'll get to that. But let's talk about what the show is actually about. Okay, so there's this dead girl who's having the last rites given to her in a church when all of a sudden these badass chicks storm in wearing medieval armor and one of them is seriously hurt. Turns out the one that's hurt bears a halo that gives her powers and there's a dark force trying to come for it that the women are holding back. The halo is removed from her back and for safekeeping, stored in the back of the dead girl. This is done so that it stays hidden from evil. But what ends up happening is that this dead girl becomes reanimated. And then she fights off the demon presence before realizing that she's alive again and wondering, is this hell? The girl then ex goes exploring and we learn she was a quadriplegic when she died. So this whole walking thing is awesome. She visits her old friend in the orphanage they were in together before slipping into the world and experiencing some of the Spanish nightlife. She phases through a wall at one point before finding some new clothing, at which point she runs into the beach and then goes swimming in someone's pool, suddenly realizing that 
being a quadriplegic, she has no idea how to swim. Right. Well, thank goodness, because this is when she's saved by this really hot guy and this ragtag group of squatters that are staying in the mansion. And she instantly wants to sort of like join their group. Not to mention get romantic with that super hot guy she met. Good point. So we also learn that the women in the beginning are searching for the halo now that it's in a walking, talking host. And politics come into play as who should have the next halo. And that's sort of everything that is happening in that first episode. So, Ivana, is this the new Buffy? No, not at all. Not even a little bit. But, like, it could have been. It's still, like, it could have been. It could have been. Here's the deal. It is hard not to compare this to Buffy. Yeah. Even, Even as you're watching it now. Yeah. It is a show where a girl is given gifts and powers to fight demonic forces, and she has to rally with that while also contending to be a real girl And have a real life. It is so hard to watch something like that and not compare it to Buffy. But the problem is, I watched the first two episodes. How many asses did she kick? She kicked no asses. I don't mind that because I think that there is an element of, like, there's a few times where her powers take over and kind of protect her without her even needing to engage with them in a way that she understands. Yep. And I think that's okay because you know that the next thing is going to be the training to the point where she suddenly becomes able to kick some serious asses. Now, I went into this just off your recommendation. I had not watched the trailer until after the first two episodes. The trailer was so good. See, I watched the trailer after the first two episodes and I said, my God. I want to work for Netflix's marketing team. They are effing con artists. Yeah, the trailer is so good. I got so excited when when I suggested it because the trailer was that good. So let's talk about the things we like about the show. Look, I I really like all the casting decisions that have happened in the show, except the guy who's playing um, the the Giles character. Yeah, the Giles character is pretty weak. Yeah, he he just doesn't have like the thing about Giles's character. He was such like a fatherly figure right from the beginning in this really cool way that in that one episode, like way later in the later seasons where they were like, oh, look, he can be attractive, too. I was like shocked and surprised. I was like, what? Giles is like <laughs> hot old guy. Is that a thing? And like. But he and you did were like, his, yeah, it is. Yeah, it, is it is a thing. All of a sudden, he became like a heartthrob out of nowhere. This guy could never. I mean, he's a priest, so maybe that's okay, but I don't know. I like to think that a sexy priest helps to entertain the masses. Uh, I will say I really like the idea that she was a quadriplegic before she got these powers. I like her. I think she's great. I, I like her as well. I thought she was as likable as like a... Like a Zoe Deutsch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She is very likable. I don't I don't love living in her head with the narration. It felt very like YA novel, which it may have come from. I don't know. It is a it was a comic book, so I'm assuming like like Spider-Man, he has thought bubbles the whole way through a comic book. So I I, I get it, but I, I found it very distracting. And at points it made me like not like the relationship aspect of her and Hawkeye? I didn't mind it, except that I think that sometimes I want her inner thought bubble to always be on the side of Deadpool. And sometimes it ventures into, you know, like nervous teenager. Very much, yeah. And, and it kind of waffles between these two places, like nervous teenager confident Deadpool like like narrative on top of everything and I like it more when it's the on the Deadpool side of things and I think if they just had more of that it would be worth it I I loved the scene of her running on the beach playing back to the quadriplegic who she was before she got the halo I thought like the actual joy on her face it reminded me of when I first saw the Man, Man of Steel and the joy on Clark's face when he's flying for the first time as Superman. I love that moment. 
And I felt like I loved her joy of being able to run down a beach. I, I, I Like it was amazing to me. I, I guess I understand why drug culture makes an appearance really quickly. Because again, this is a different generation. It seems to be geared at a younger generation who like uh, well, the drug also, scene is different it, now. It's Spain. And it's Spain. Yeah. The drug scene is different. What do you mean? Well, I, I think drugs are a more acceptable thing for teenagers today to take than they were as cautionary in every piece of pop culture that I saw growing up. I guess I never really noticed. Like, I, I feel like they are just as accepted today as they were before. What I'm saying is that, like, the pop culture around you is something that, that helps grow a culture for a generation. And the the pop culture around today's generation has a more accepting 60s tone of drugs where I think the 80s and 90s had a like a, a culture in film and television that was more cautionary and, and just say no because of that Reagan administration. Yeah, I mean, there was all of that. But I, again, I think that that it's cyclical. It's not really... We're just on a wave where it's acceptable now. I'm not saying that drugs weren't there. I'm just saying that in the programming that was programmed to people at a certain age, like this clearly is for young people, it would have represented it differently. It, it even would have represent, represented it differently in Buffy. There was beer bad, which is a cautionary for drinking. Yeah, but you have to th- remember that with Netflix, there aren't rules about what is acceptable or not acceptable to air on airways between 8 and 9 p.m. on a network show. It, that, that's a boundary that we don't have to worry about any longer. I think if Buffy was made for Netflix, it would have had drinking. I, I guess my question is, do you think because of a Netflix, young people are not sussing out young people content? They're, they're looking for content that's older? I don't know what you mean by that. I mean, I think this is clearly targeting anyone who's, let's say, 14 to 45. I, I, I guess I'm wondering if, like, you had recommended The Order. And right. I watched The Order immediately after watching Warrior Nun. At that point, I said, this is way closer to Buffy. This is awesome. Yeah, and I made it, it through the good. first season in a day. Uh, but that is, to me, clearly marketed to a a younger audience than, like, my parents. And I think there is programming that is marketed or at least made with the idea of an audience that's younger in mind. Well, absolutely. But they also swear in that show. They're dropping F-bombs every two seconds. And yet it is targeting 13 to 25 year olds, probably. I mean, in Canada, swearing isn't as prolific as the States. I wonder if it's a different rating there or I don't I mean, I don't know how Netflix works. The programming when I was younger, drugs were not like an open and exciting experience. They were more of don't do that because Jason Priestley will get so screwed up on 90210 that his car will get totally wrecked and he'll never do it again. So there was an effect. Whereas in this, um, there's no consequences at all because, of course, why would there be? Like, it's it's just them going out and experiencing a night and coming home and it, everything works out because that is usually what happens. <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> frowning on drugs. I'm frowning on how different something with an audience in mind growing up like 90210 how different I assume they you've dealt never seen Euphoria right I assume well and that's that's the other thing right like Euphoria is a a show about what young people I believe are experiencing today and it's a totally different experience than what I think we had growing up I think the things that you deem like I don't know. They seem they seem normal to me in my experience. Like I can relate to these things. So I think we just I think you're just coming from a different place. I don't think it's so timely, like timely. I, it's entirely possible that just my my experience 
gave me a different outlook on it. Uh, that's what I think. I think that's what we're getting at. Up. I mean, you're definitely right that there's a difference in the in the content, right? Like the content is edgier now than it was in like the 90s and 2000s. And don't get me wrong. I don't think it's wrong. I don't look down on a different generation or anything like that. I just think you, you know, I, I grew up in a generation that for half my high school career didn't have the internet. I didn't have a cell phone in high school. And now that has to change things for another generation. I know it changed things for my niece and nephew who grew up in in somewhat of a different idea of how things go. Um, I know that in Euphoria, there's like, there's sexting and sending nudes is a part of like the zeitgeist because of course it is because that's how, that's how it works. Like you were not sending nudes in high school. No, but I had a cell. Like I, I don't know. I guess I just can't like, I, I don't have that experience. I had a cell phone all throughout high school. I've had internet for like so long. I don't really remember life without it. Okay. All right. So maybe that's it. Maybe that's another part of it. So when I went into high, into university, sorry, into college, I I was texting not with a QWERTY keyboard. It was the T9 keyboard. And I used that for years until I got my next phone that had a, like it flipped up and now I had a QWERTY keyboard. Which the sidekick, did you have a sidekick? Yeah, it was sort of like a sidekick. Like it slid up and then you had that functionality so but but again now we're talking like i am 23 when i first have that so i missed like that was not available to me in high school and then camera phones weren't available to me until i was like in my early 20s now at that point did i start sexting and all of course like that's of course but i didn't have that in high school so, so when I hear about like euphoria and, and what's going on in that show, I'm like, of course it is. It's a different age. And when I watch young adult things that have drugs in it and sex in it, I'm like, of course, if you're able to watch any piece of pornographic material at any time in your life, sex is a different thing for you than it was for me. When I was 16 years old and I was watching a, a photo from Playboy incrementally load itself for the first time. <laughs> so, so it was a different experience. I just think it's kind of funny that here we are talking about high school experiences surrounding a show that has nothing to do with high school. I mean, our lead character is 19 and like the kids she's with are like in their 20s i think yeah and she never got to experience any of the things that she clearly should have right yeah like she's had a completely different life than uh than than high school and i guess that's another thing that's interesting is that the show that is very much reminding us of Buffy, which is firmly set in the high school setting. And how do you have this normal life balanced with this extraordinary life? Here you have a situation where it's almost totally different. Like there is only the world. There's no like high school and supernatural world. That's right. Yes. That's, but there I is mean, like a, good part. a muggles versus like special people world. Right. Because we get to dive into this interesting I mean, maybe interesting. I didn't really find it that interesting world of these uh, these female demon hunters who are all women who I guess are like called the way that the slayers are. And yeah. they all have to go and fight demons because, you know, hell is always trying to get into our realm. And it's always up to people to fight this freaking shit. Where is heaven ever? I don't understand it. Angels are never involved ever. In fighting demons ever. Yeah, that's fair. Why is hell always trying to corrupt us and heaven does nothing? You're you're absolutely right. I, well, okay. Did you get to the origin story of how the first warrior nun 
was created? I only saw the first two episodes and no. So they didn't that they that didn't come out until the third no. episode. Okay, I'm gonna say this. I've seen um the first three episodes, and I just wanna be very clear here. The third episode is the actual first episode of the show in terms okay. of like it feels like a first episode. Right. <laughs> like the the third episode is the first time you set up the rest of the show. Like I actually wrote after watching the first episode, I wrote down, this was not a very thrilling first episode, but Buffy did have a second, a two-parter pilot. So I'm going to give it that second episode. And I was thoroughly, even more so, disappointed. This show could have used a bit more thought. Like it's on the cusp of greatness, especially episode three has convinced me that I'm going to keep going and I'm actually kind of interested in this world. But episodes one and two, I I had the same reaction as you to be completely honest. I was not into it. I was like, what is this? Like, Yeah. And and that's totally fair. And it, it feels to me that more Netflix shows are like that. I thought the order was a breath of fresh air. I'm so glad that you recommended it to me because each episode has so much stuff that happens and they cram them full. Yeah. The actual action and story. Yeah. And I think part of it is this lack of structure. Any episode can be anything. And, um, and, and, you know, you have a perfect fish out of water scenario. You don't need to explain all the rules of the world to the viewers in episodes one and two because your lead character is a fish out of water who's learning the world so we can learn along with her. And then that's like, you have more twists. You have way more twists. Can I give something away? Can I give a spoiler? You yeah, don't care. go ahead. Okay, audience, I'm going to give a spoiler about Warrior or None. Okay. Uh, uh, up to season episode three, because that's as far as you three. got? Yeah, that's it, <laughs> okay. yeah. Um, so there's this uh, girl who is one of the Warrior Nuns, and she has, it's like her family have been involved in the Warrior Nuns since like the first crusade. So you're talking like hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of years. And she's like, and, and many of her predecessors or like um, previous, what what do they call people who were like bef- in your family in times before? Ancestors. Yes, that's it. A lot of her ancestors have been the lead nun who gets to actually have the halo inside of herself. And she's next in line. And so there's this element of like, she really wants it so bad. Um, meanwhile, in episode three, we have Ava who starts training with this girl. So like you already know that she has ancestors who wore the halo or took in the halo. We already know she wants it so bad. And we already know that she was next in the line of succession and that she's pissed that she doesn't get to wear it yet. Of course. Yeah. And we know that in episode two and then in episode three, Now she's training Ava, like involved in her training a lot um, and fighting her and all this stuff. And like you just I feel like the show made such a big mistake because what if they held on to that fact of her ancestors and how much she wants it and the fact that she's next in line. If we watched her train Ava for let's say five episodes and then it comes out that she was next in line, you've got a way more powerful scenario where you suddenly go, oh, shit. So when she did that, when they were training, that's what it really meant. Do you know what I mean? But instead, I, I understand. Yeah. Because we found out about that first and then see her training Ava. It's like all this payoff is just lost to the ether. And you could give us more character development in nonlinear form that way. Yeah. And that would be more compelling. A hundred percent. With that said, I have to I have to say this because it was the coolest experience that I had with a warrior nun. Here's the thing about network TV. I mean, we can poo-poo it all we want. We can say it's going away and like, it, because it is. But the benefit that Buffy has is that it has commercials and it has a week before you see the next episode. And why that's a benefit is because it needs to hold your attention to come back through the commercials and to come back a week later. So what I'm finding, and we've talked about this before, is that 
Netflix series often, and it's not always, but often, and I felt like that in Warrior Nun, is they will give us a lot of nothing or a drag through an entire episode and then stimulate us with a quick ending or like a a really cool cliffhanger that makes you hit next. And And that way you stay on the platform longer. Now, what cable does with those other instance instance is it not only has to give you a reason to come back next week, it has to satisfy you at the end of the episode. So what we're missing is the satisfaction of the television show before jumping into the next one. We're searching for the satisfaction that could come and often does not in the next episode. So anyway, so long story short, my favorite author, Ailey Martinez, wrote exactly that on his Twitter. And I, I wrote him back and said, I've been saying this. I'm amazed that like my favorite author thinks the same way. This is great. And he liked my tweet. So it was like the coolest thing to come out of the warrior nun. That's was pretty that cool. My favorite author liked my tweet. <laughs> like to him saying, we think alike. Yeah. But yeah. that is, that is my... But that's my takeaway. And like I said, you had mentioned the order and I don't think the order is the order is definitely the exception to this rule that I feel about Netflix shows not needing necessarily to satisfy you only needing to get you interested in clicking next. Yeah, I think that um, audiences really began to enjoy these atmospheric pieces. And I think that things have gone a little too far in that direction. And I think you're going to find that they're going to correct themselves. Maybe there's an element where in network television, there's a lot of influence from the network and maybe that influence is better than we think. Like maybe we don't value it yeah. enough and it is worth something. And like, so I, possible. I, I can't say what it is or why it is, but I agree. Like some, you know what? It's enough to click next on an episode, but it's not often not enough to click start on a season two. It is unbelievable how many shows we start because it's a new show and we want to try it and how many you continue watching the following year. Right. So Jay, what is your rating for Warrior None? I genuinely did not like my experience with the first two episodes. I know that you're going to continue on with season three with uh, after the third episode. One of our mutual friends, Darren, who is one of the voices on our intros, watched the first episode and cleaned the plate, watched the whole season in a day. He loved it. Uh, that is not me. I, I'm giving this like a two out of five. Uh, I give it a solid three and a half out of five. Uh, and I think, Jay... I would challenge you to watch that third episode. And then if, if it doesn't grab you, then get rid of it. Never see another, like even half the first, the third episode, the third episode is where the show starts. I like, I cannot say that more clearly. If you, you could almost skip one and two. And I think you might love your viewing experience more. I would have loved to see her kick someone's butt in the first two episodes. Like just fight someone. I would have loved to see that. So maybe give it a try if you haven't already. But uh, what are we watching next week? Next week, we're going to watch a 2020 horror film, and it's called The Lodge. Perfect. Okay. I uh, know nothing of this movie. I'm not going to go into it with a trailer. That's good. I've seen the trailer. I saw it in movie theaters before there were no more movie theaters. And... um, I'm kind of excited to see it. It seemed like a good atmospheric kind of horror. Psychological. And and with you back in Canada self-quarantining, do you think it'll scare you? Uh, Yeah, I'm in a I'm in a cottage in the woods and I'm I'm so uncomfortable (laughs) already. Like anytime I'm not in a city, I'm like, oh, God, this is scary. I'm not made for this. All right. Well, you can feel free to text me, but I'm going to watch it very soon. Me too. And that's the show. Thanks for listening and be sure to tune in again next time. If you'd like to help support the show, you can hop onto your podcast service and subscribe. And if you're feeling really generous, you can give us a quick rating or a review. Our intro song comes from bensound.com. And we encourage you to check out our show notes for more information about our music, 
our talented voice actors, and sound effects. Jay and I love to hear from you, so we built this website, morethemovies.net. Also, if you hate websites, we did check, and you can email us at hello at morethemovies.net. We're also on Facebook, More The Movies Podcast. Or catch either one of us on Twitter. I'm at Jester J. I'm at It's Savannah. Thanks again for spending some time with us. We'll be back next week with an all-new commercial-free episode. Until next time, friends. Do more. And watch more. Watch more.